What's up, you guys? I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And this is Two Degrees Hotter, the postgrad podcast where we get real about life after college every Tuesday. Hello, everybody. Happy TDH Tuesday. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. We're excited that you're here on this fine Tuesday or whatever day it might be that you're listening and you're going to talk some feminism with us today. Yes. So we figured that with the recent passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that this was a good time for us to kind of talk a little bit about not only her legacy, but also just feminism in general and kind of how we feel about it and what it it means to us and how we um, use it in our everyday lives. And we're also going to kick this episode off with um, just talking about her life and her Mm -hmm. legacy. Um, And just a little storytelling about who she was, because I think, you know, it's easy to think you know everything about a public figure, but she actually had a super interesting and challenging life. So we want to bring some light to that as well. Yes, for sure. But before we do that, let's get into our week in review. Bet you weren't expecting me to intro it. No, I wasn't. All right. I'm feeling spunky today. So this week I have, I guess, two life updates. Um, One is more important than the other. But the first one (laughs) is that I chopped my hair, like really chopped my hair. So um, I donated it. So I think I cut off 11 and a half inches to donate. And then, of course, they like cut more from there to like shape it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I have like a, I was going to say a lob, but I don't even think it's a lob. I think it's actually just a bob. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I don't think I have any pictures on my Instagram yet. Maybe I will by the time this comes out, but it's basically unintentionally like a very similar haircut to Keaton Milburn's. If you guys follow her on Instagram, Mm -hmm. it's basically the same cut as she has. So yeah, it's been fun. Um, nice to, I was thinking about doing like a post-grad change for a while. So I'm glad that I finally full sent and did it. Um, and I also was able to do it at a eco-friendly salon. So if you live in our area and um, are interested in knowing the name, feel free to DM me. Um, I don't want to say it just because it's really close to where we live, but yeah, I would highly recommend. So that was one thing. The other thing is that my best childhood friend um, had a baby this past week. So that's crazy Um, that like you can have friends in such different life paths, I suppose. Um, But I'm super happy for her. It's a beautiful baby girl named Olivia. So just wanted to give her a shout out because I know that she listens to the podcast sometimes. So hope you're doing well in postpartum, Kayla, and can't wait to see you blossom into motherhood. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Your hair looks great. I was saying right before we um, started recording that you give me very model off duty vibes, especially right now it's wet. So it's like kind of like slicked down. I'm like, (laughs) Bieber, is that you? Um, Thank you. Big compliment. Yeah. And congratulations, Kayla, if you are listening. Your baby's beautiful. I'm a big baby person, so I, I love seeing all the babies all over social media. Um, so for me, <laughs> my update is not as great as uh, haircuts and babies. I wanted to give like a quick little update on my mental health, um, especially in law school and especially because I've kind of been struggling with it a little bit. Um, so... Essentially, I'm just feeling very like burnt out and I feel like I was very 
aware of the fact that like burnout is super common with law students. It's a, it's tough. It's hard. It takes a lot of work. And that's something that I knew going into it. And I tried my best to take steps to like mitigate any sort of burnout that I might feel. And yet I'm still feeling like I can't believe I have to continue this whole semester and keep working this hard, if not harder. Um, so that's scary. But I also was kind of talking with some friends and I was just saying how I've always been the type of person that loved school. Like I'm just one of those like quintessential nerds. That's like, I love school. I love going to classes. Like I don't mind homework. I don't mind assignments. Like I'm just weird like that. I find it like fulfilling. I don't know if that's just because. Dark academia. Aesthetic. <laughs> like big, like huge Ravenclaw vibes. Um, and I don't know if that's just because like all of my like success has been validated through school. I feel like that's a conversation for a whole other episode. But anyways, <laughs> I love school. And I just feel like being online, I don't even really get the school that I like. And like you kind yeah. of explained it earlier, like even for people who are working from home, like we're essentially doing all the bad parts, all the hard parts without any of like the good stuff that comes with either working or going to school. I know like, for example, with law school, like one big thing that they do for 1Ls is what they call bar review, which isn't at all review. It's like they literally will rent out, like your school will rent out a bar wherever your school is located for 1Ls to go to and like socialize with each other and decompress and like have a night not doing homework. So we don't have things like that. And when you're always home, it's just, you tell yourself, I'm not gonna overwork myself. I'm gonna stop doing work at this time blah, 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 blah. And then here you are doing work outside of the times you told yourself not taking breaks when you need to, because it's just so much harder. And I was texting my friends in light of all this. And I was saying that I feel like I'm at the point in Legally Blonde where Elle realizes that Warner, like she'll never be good enough for him. I think that's what she says. And so she's kind of like, well, I can either like give up and, you know, he will be right or I can prove him wrong. And what does the bitch do? She proves him wrong. Only here, I'm playing both Alan Warner <laughs> because I'm the one telling myself that I can't do it. I need to tell myself that I can um, and not give up. But I know I was talking with my friends and my friend Meg is in a PhD program. No, she's in a master's program right now. She's in grad school. <laughs> and she's feeling the same way where she's feeling like she's not even you know, she's always loved school and she just feels like she's only getting the bad parts and none of the good. And she feels like she's making a mistake and she drop out and blah, 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 blah. And I'm kind of feeling the same way. So yeah, and this isn't to scare any of our pre-law listeners. I'm really not trying to scare you away <laughs> from law school because I know that I'll get like through this and I know probably come winter break, I'm going to be like, can you believe how like stressed I was about law school. Like that's crazy. Everything was fine, but it is a lot of work. And so I only wanted to bring this up because one, I think it's important to talk about mental health. And two, I think it's important to know what you're getting yourself into, um, especially with something as expensive and time consuming as law school. But hopefully all our uh, little pre-law students will actually be like in person and have a regular semester because I do think being online kind of added a additional obstacle to just figuring out like 1L life that and I think that's probably the reason why I'm especially feeling so overwhelmed and stressed out 
Yeah. Yeah. We were uh, talking about this earlier and I was like, I feel like it's obviously not the same extent because I don't know, like you work for the rest of your life. So mm-hmm. it's not like as high stakes as law school, obviously. But I was like, I kind of relate in the work world also because it's like, you know, in my past jobs and internships, part of the fun of it all was like going to sports games with your coworkers mm-hmm. and happy hours and like, I don't know, goofing around in a conference room. And it's like none of that's happening now either. So I'm just like, you know, working, <laughs> um, but not getting any of like the fun perks that you would normally get. Um, but hopefully this is all temporary and um, post COVID us will have come out much stronger and uh, more technically technologically literate (laughs) oh yeah and also just to put it out there we did get word from my school that odds are my semester next semester will be very similar to how it is now aka i will be online so if you have any tips on how to be more efficient working from home uh dm me (laughs) let me know because i'm i'm interested i don't want to jinx anything but maybe by the time next semester comes it'll be more safe to like sit at cafes or like a library yeah. or like you, you can get out a little more and like at least have that separation. So fingers crossed. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping too. And just, yeah, hoping it'll become also just like normal because I realize that I'm still like very much in the beginning of my semester and like I shouldn't really feel like I know everything right now, but I'm type A and I want to know everything. So that's, that's a personal problem. I'll work on that. <laughs> All right, let's transition to our favorites. So my favorite this week to shout out another small business, I guess. Um, Kylie and I went to this shop a couple weeks ago, and it's in Hudson, Massachusetts. And I I'm fine saying that because it's not very close to us. We like kind of made a day trip out of going. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't think it should be too far from Boston. I know a lot of our listeners are in Boston. It's probably only like 40 minutes. So definitely worth the trip. Um, so it's basically like a modern apothecary vibe. So they have like very cute boho like homewares and like incense and um, all sorts of decor and like soaps and makeup and all these very natural things. But the main highlight is that they have a like customizable tea bar. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you would call it. Yeah. Um, so it's not like you're getting tea to like drink on the spot, although maybe they do that in non-COVID times. I'm not sure. But um, the owner was there and her name is Kinsey. I'm literally obsessed with her. I like listened to a podcast <laughs> episode that she was in because I was like, I want to maneuver my life path to be you. Um, and she's a um, herbalist. Mm-hmm. So she studied like the power of herbs and like all the different um, benefits that they can have for your health and your body. And it's like basically chemistry. Like I started looking into some of the books that she recommended and it's like literally learning chemistry of plants and your body. It's like crazy. Um, And so we were able to like tell her about what remedies we were looking for. And she like custom made tea for us. And yeah, she's like literally a queen. It was so cool and so cute in there. Um, So if you are anywhere within like reasonable driving distance I would highly recommend checking it out I got uh what is it called like a a tincture a tincture with like an herbal supplement that's supposed to help um with like period cramps and all of that and I remember telling you I was so excited because I was supposed to get my period that week it was the lightest it's literally ever been in my life and I had no cramps at all and I didn't get to try it so stay tuned because 
I'm waiting for <laughs> I'm waiting for a painful period so I could try it. Oh, like you didn't have like symptoms to treat. Yeah, like I felt uh, fine the whole week. I so I was like, well, I'm not gonna take it just to, to yeah. take it. Yeah. But, so I'll I'll keep y'all updated. It'll be a favorite of mine eventually, I'm sure, but no reviews yet. Yeah, would highly recommend though. Like super cute. Follow them on Instagram yeah. if nothing else and TikTok. Oh, they're yeah. really, really cool small business and they're like really woke on their stories and stuff. So um, so my favorite for this week is actually another podcast. So it is called You Can Sit With Us and it is actually hosted by the Try Guys on YouTube. Love them. <laughs> I think they're so funny and I watch all their videos and their um, partners, their wives came out with the podcast. It's called You Can Sit With Us. They're literally like, late 20s to early 30s and they just kind of talk about like one's a mom one um does like more influencer stuff one's a nurse and they just talk about like being women in their late 20s and early 30s and what that's like and what it's like being the wives of you know a group that's super successful on youtube and all of that and they're just very like cool people like i would be friends with them i feel like (laughs) even though they're like pretty old that not much older than me but like they are older than me um and I also like that it's like actually the complete opposite from law school because I've learned being in it and I've heard this before that when you're in law school any free time you have you don't want to do anything that involves any sort of law I don't want to be watching criminal minds I don't want legally blonde to come on I don't want to hear anything in the news that has to do with law like I get it away from me (laughs) well I guess this recording this episode is ironic then (laughs) it is well it's I I should preference I don't mind it when it's like in an educational or like important conversation (laughs) to be had but from like a pure entertainment standpoint I'm not going to entertain myself with anything law related or I'm going to try um so I like that this is this feels like a safe podcast where nothing about the law is going to come up and I normally listen to it it drops on Tuesdays same sauce um and I'll listen to it during my lunch break. And I listen to our podcast when I finish the day. But it's nice because I get to like break up my day with, you know, something that isn't law school related. It's just brief center my brain. So I highly recommend. They're very entertaining, very funny. Yeah, I haven't listened to them. I think I've heard of it before because I've heard of the Try mm-hmm. Guys and the fact that their wives had a podcast. So um, I'll have to check it out. I'm always looking for some new ones. But Tuesdays are reserved for listening to our own. So... It'll have to be a delayed listen. Sure, sure. Or you can do two podcasts in one day like me. Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys think it's weird that we listen to our own podcast? Because my boyfriend brought that up. He was like, you listen to your own? And I was like, yeah, well, we record them like a couple weeks prior. So like by the time they come out, I'm always like, what did I say? Like, (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I like to listen to them too because we're posting on social media about them and I don't want to, you know, I want to characterize them in the right way. And like you said, we record in advance so I like to see what we were up to it's kind of it works as like a nice little journal for us so it's kind of nice to see a few weeks back how we're doing like me with this I'm hoping that I'm feeling a bit better a week from now and I can laugh at my week in review so yeah and it'll be like obviously taken to a further extreme like when we can listen six months back and stuff which what are we coming up on now like four or five month mark now yeah is that it I know it feels like we've been doing this forever yeah um, well, let's jump into the main episode content after some chatty segments here. Yeah, we were chatty. 
like we mentioned, we wanted to do a little tribute episode to RBG, talk about her life and her legacy and kind of how we feel like she influenced feminism and like how we feel a responsibility to carry that on. Yeah. So like uh, we said at the beginning of the episode, we kind of want to do a little bit of storytelling about her life so that you guys can really gain an appreciation for where she came from and her upbringing and how she got to be who she was. Um, So we all know that she was a Supreme Court justice, um, but we wanted to, you know, bring a little bit more depth to her story. Um, So all the information that we're about to give you came from Oye, I believe is how it's pronounced, O-Y-E-Z dot org. Um, So for further research, also a quick Google search will help you find a lot of information on her since her passing was so recent. For sure. So I can kick off her story here and let you guys all know that she was born Joan Ruth Bader on March 15th, 1933 in a low-income working-class neighborhood in Brooklyn, New York to a Jewish family. Her father was a furrier. I think that's how you say that. So I looked it up because I was like, what is that? That's someone who works with or sells fur. So that checks out a furrier in the heart of the Great Depression. And her mother worked in a garment factory. So I guess like very classic, like city 1930s kind of story. Yeah. And I like that you pointed out that she was born to a Jewish family because I know and I'm sure we'll get into it that um, not only did she make huge strides and achievements for women, but also for Jewish women and Jewish people in general, which is huge to point out. But so her mother instilled a passion for learning in her and watched her excel at James Madison High School. But her mom was diagnosed with cancer and died the day before Ginsburg's high school graduation, which I can't even imagine going through that. Yeah, everything that I read said that her mom was like her biggest inspiration when it mm-hmm. comes to getting an education. And I actually read that um, I don't know if it was because like women weren't allowed at the time. I think that's probably what it was. But her mom actually like paid for her own brother to get um, an education because she was not able to herself. Like she was that passionate about education and like the importance of it. So mm-hmm. I guess she was like a really big um, inspiration for RBG. And the fact that she couldn't be there to like see the culmination of it all is like awful. Um, yeah, but they're together now yeah. if you believe in that sort of thing. So that's true. That's, cool. that's true. So after she graduated high school, she went to Cornell where she graduated at the top of her class in 1954. And that same year, Ruth Bader became Ruth Bader Ginsburg after marrying her husband, Martin. So imagine getting married the same year you graduate college. Can't relate. (laughs) And you're also a woman and you're also at an Ivy League. (laughs) You're just, I mean, it's so crazy. So after graduation, she put her education on hold to start a family with her husband, Um, So she had her first child in 1955, which if you're following along is a year after she graduated. I don't know about (laughs) you, but I'm not planning on having a baby anytime soon. And shortly after, her husband was drafted for two years of military service. So upon her husband's return from the service, uh, Ginsburg enrolled at Harvard Law. What? Like, it's hard. Go off, sis. (laughs) Um, Where she was one of nine. Some sources say eight. So she was one of eight or nine females in a 500 person class, which is to put it into perspective, my law school class this year is 60% women. That's crazy. 2020. And this was only the 1950s. The 1950s weren't that long ago when you think I know. about it. And so like, you're telling me she legit graduated college, got married the same year, had a full 
child the next year, raised the child alone for the first 24 months of the kid's life, and then enrolled at Harvard Law with a toddler. Like, okay, word, for sure, for sure. I'm like, literally cut to earlier in the episode when I'm like, I can't even take care of myself alone. <laughs> <laughs> a whole other human being. Like, we don't deserve And so in law school, she also had it pretty rough because her husband, Martin, was diagnosed with testicular cancer during her first year in law school. So she was taking care of him and a child and in law school. And on top of that, facing a whole lot of discrimination for being a woman in the field. Uh, But despite all these struggles, she served as the first female member of the Harvard Law Review, which is that like, is that something you do your first year? Is that like a... A rite of passage or something like that? Um, Law review you normally do in your second year. Okay. But it is like, it's kind of the same as like a National Honor Society. That's like a good way to look at it. Um, It's very prestigious, very um, competitive. And if you have it on your resume, it looks really, really good. So after her husband recovered from cancer, which is great, they moved to New York City to accept a position at a law firm there. Her husband was working at a law firm there. So she had one year left of law school. And so she transferred to Columbia, which if you're counting along with me, that's three Ivy Leagues in this story thus far. Um, And she served on their law review as well. And she graduated first in her class. I'll say that one more time. First in her class at Columbia Law in 1959. Wait, when I was reading this the first time, I confused Cornell and Columbia. So I thought she was like returning to her alma mater for law school. But now that I'm like putting together the fact that, well, also that makes sense because Columbia is in New York City and Cornell is not in New York City. But for some reason, I just thought she was like returning, but she's not. That it really is three Ivies. Yeah, three Ivies really said, yeah, well, we'll, we want you here. But unfortunately, even her obviously exceptional academic record was not enough to shield her from the gender-based discrimination that women faced in the workplace during this time in the 1960s. She actually had a hard time finding a job, which like is ridiculous, um, until a favorite Columbia professor explicitly refused to recommend any other graduates before she was hired as a clerk at a specific practice. So I would like to meet that professor because he or she was obviously a force. And um, it's great that whoever they were stood up for her because obviously she was so qualified for whatever she was trying to do. Well, and I would venture to say, considering how much trouble she had finding work as just a lawyer, a professor at a Ivy League law school was probably a man. And so that's like, that's the kind of work we're looking for men supporting women too (laughs) yeah it reminds me of um mad men because i'm thinking of like the 60s new york and um like all the discrimination and just like assumptions that the women would face um like entering offices and people assuming that they were a secretary when they weren't um and Mm -hmm. things like that reminds me of like peggy's story a little bit just trying to like work the corporate ladder of men in new york city so for sure Um, so after this, after this wonderful professor, um, helped her, she was offered some jobs at a law firm, but always at a much lower salary than her male counterparts. This sounds like a story that we've heard, um, too recently, but we'll get to that. Um, she instead took some time to pursue her other legal passions, one of which being civil procedure. 
um, by joining the Columbia Project on International Civil Procedure. She became the first female professor at Columbia to earn tenure, and she was, I'm assuming, teaching civil procedure, which honestly it hits close to home because I would say at this point, civil procedure is the class that is keeping me going. It is my favorite class, and it's also my favorite professor. So it makes me very happy that she, too, was very passionate about civil procedure. I feel like a little little connection. While being a female professor at Columbia, she also directed the Women's Rights Project of the ACLU during the 1970s, where she led the fight against gender discrimination, and she successfully argued six landmark cases before the U.S. Supreme Court, so a little sneak peek at what her future was to be, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting because she actually took a really broad look at gender discrimination, fighting not just for the women left behind, but also for the men who were discriminated against as well. Ginsburg, since she had experienced her share of gender discrimination, um, she felt really passionate about these cases, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because she actually went so far as to hide her pregnancy from colleagues at work. So just like putting herself back in those times, like what it was like to be a woman in the workplace, like not even wanting to say that you were pregnant because there like weren't protections for that yet. It's like crazy. Yeah, for sure. Um, so then afterwards, she was appointed to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia, where she served for 13 years until 1993. And then Bill Clinton, President Clinton at the time, appointed her to the Supreme Court, where we know and love her from. That's where she was doing God's work, I'm telling you. Um, so she played a key role in honestly too many pivotal rulings to name. Um, but I listed a few just to, you know, get you, you definitely want to read into at least the spark notes version of these cases because they really are so important. Um, so USB Virginia, which ruled gender equality is a constitutional right. Obergefell v. Hodges, I believe that's how it's pronounced, legalized same-sex marriage in all 50 states. And Ledbetter v. Goodyear, um, she offered a dissenting opinion, which for those of you who aren't in law school, dissenting is when, or who aren't familiar in general, dissenting is when you disagree with the majority opinion of the court. So she dissented dissented, um, on the gender pay gap. This case, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, defended a a gender pay gap. And she dissented saying that that is BS. So that's just to name a few. Definitely Google, you know, RBG landmark cases and learn about all of the um, really incredible things that she did in her time on the Supreme Court. As a little side note, I saw a tweet recently, um, I think from someone that was not from the US, but they, they tweeted something like, oh my God, I just realized that like, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift is older than gay marriage in the United States. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's> crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Uh, Just to show, you know, what a badass she really was, um, until the 2018 term, Ginsburg had not missed a single day of oral arguments, not even when she was undergoing chemotherapy for pancreatic cancer, after surgery for colon cancer, or the day after her husband passed away in 2010. So she proved time and time again that she was a force to be reckoned with, um, and obviously a very strong woman considering you know, all the the multiple cancers that she had been through and the yeah. fact that I think her husband also died from cancer um, and she was, you know, back on the floor the next day. It's absolutely 
mind-boggling. Yeah, and I mean, literally up until her literal last breath, she was fighting for and concerned with human rights and people that weren't her. Um, And yeah, just she always seemed to be so invested in ensuring that everyone got a fair share and was represented, which I think, unfortunately, we are missing a lot of the time in politics on both sides, that it's a bipartisan thing. Um, And she was really one of those beams of light that I felt like, even though I know judges on the Supreme Court are supposed to be apolitical, it's not really true. But I feel like she very much was so grounded in human rights. And it was such a, um, a light to see. And I just think how lucky we are that we got to walk the earth with her at the same time that's like crazy yeah it's interesting that like I mean I was a partial political science major in college so like I understand the premise and whatever but it's really interesting that the supreme court is like supposed to be apolitical because like can any human with like that understanding that deep of an understanding of the law and like current events and politics like enough to be on the supreme court like can you really be political like just the yeah yeah, just the premise is like so silly like why are we even pretending that people (laughs) are yeah well and especially in everyday language we use conservative justice liberal justice like (laughs) who are we trying to fool at this point we might as well yeah just just admit to it might as well just Um, throw it away (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) sorry founding fathers the judicial system ain't what you thought it was gonna be uh we call them the framers in law school the framers of the constitution at least that's what my civil procedure calls them I love it I'm like yeah what did those framers do you tell me um (laughs) but as a quick aside and speaking of law school I have had the privilege to be able to read some of her judicial opinions um I get so excited (laughs) whenever I see her name pop up and most of the time it is in civil procedure and so maybe that's also why I enjoy it so much um I haven't read any of her landmark cases though so I haven't fully read any of the ones that I mentioned earlier but every time I see whether it's her majority opinion which I think I've only read one case where it's her majority opinion and the other ones she's just dissenting because she's just not afraid to tell people that they're wrong and I love that um but it really lights a fire under my booty it gives me that you know that little pep that I need to get through the day get through the week um because it's really women like her that are the reason I'm in law school to begin with I love that Um, so I think now we're going to kind of talk about how we're feeling about her passing, kind of how we feel like we need to carry on her legacy and, you know, the place for feminism in the context of her passing. And then towards the end, we wanted to react to some of her quotes, um, and give you some resources. So now that we're kind of through her story and you get an understanding for like what an amazing woman she was, not only in the law and politics, but also just like clearly so strong as an individual. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to shift to talking about, you know, how we feel about the news and kind of what we were doing, you know, like all of that. Yeah. Um, So from like a, you know, a factual standpoint, I found out from one of my law school friends and I was just so, I didn't believe her at first, not that I thought that she was going to lie to me. Um, But I was like, are you kidding me? Like, And of course, it's 2020. Like, it took 20 seconds for me to be like, of course, this is happening right now. This is the year from actual hell. Um, But yeah, so if I'm being completely honest, I'm really devastated and really terrified. 
now that she's gone. And I don't think that that feeling is uncommon at all. Um, she was such a trailblazer for women's rights and for human rights in general. And I feel like right now we are living at a time where regardless of what side of the political spectrum you lie on, basic human rights are under attack. They are. Um, and it makes me really anxious that we no longer have her as an advocate because as we explained in kind of her story, that really was the crux of her um, achievements and her, um, I don't want to say purpose, but like she she was just such a trailblazer for human rights. Um, and on that same note, I feel like I haven't had the chance to actually just mourn. Like, and I feel like that sounds a little dramatic because obviously I didn't know her personally, but as a woman, I feel so thankful to have had someone like her open the doors that I'm like now walking through essentially. Um, and I feel like anyone who feels that she has helped um, them advance in life for whatever reason should be able to mourn that. Um, and instead I'm just more occupied with how anxious and terrified I am about what this now means. And so that has been really disheartening and definitely not helpful to kind of what I was talking about at beginning of the episode. I like your metaphor of like you're walking through the doors that she opened for you. And I think like that feels mm -hmm. obviously especially relevant to you as a law student. But I think to your point, like anyone who has been affected by her, literally every woman in the United States of America listening to this episode should feel that way because yeah, like there are so many things that you didn't even realize you weren't allowed to do before RBG advocated mm -hmm. for them. Um, yeah. And I was going to mention them a little later on in the episode, but like, for example, birth control, like, do you, do you purchase contraceptive or do you receive contraceptive for free? Like with your insurance or whatever, like you can thank RBG, just yeah. like daily things that you don't even think about um, are all mm -hmm. attributed to her. So I, um, I found out that RBG passed at, my boyfriend Grant's house, I got a notification on my phone and I feel like it was like a little delayed from mm -hmm. everyone else's because I texted everybody and they were all like, I know. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so maybe I don't have the right news sources turned on or something. Yeah. So I was like freaking out and, you know, yeah. And then just like the rest of the night was just like such a weird feeling, but I agree. I was like, okay, yeah, like 2020, like it really couldn't spare us. But yeah, we were talking about it that night or maybe the next day. Um, how it's unfair that like a life as impactful as hers doesn't even get to be properly mourned because we need to worry about, you know, her replacement and like next steps right away. Um, mm -hmm. And like we mentioned earlier on, I feel like she's definitely gonna be one of those people where like your kids say like, oh, I can't believe you were alive at the same time as like, you know, we would say like MLK or like Nelson Mandela or Teddy Roosevelt or like some prominent historical figure like that. And I think like we're gonna be our kids are going to say that to us. Like, I can't believe you were alive at the same time as RBG. Um, so kind of pivoting a little bit, we wanted to talk about feminism and how RBG's legacy is just surrounded in feminism. I think that anyone who has heard of her has at least knows to identify her as a feminist. And so I know Anya and I feel a responsibility, as I'm sure so many other women do, to carry on that legacy. And so to do that, we really wanted to talk about the place for feminism in the 21st century. Truthfully, I've been a little disappointed to hear how many people still actively avoid 
labeling themselves as feminists. And I say labeling a little hesitantly because I don't think you necessarily need to label yourself anything. But also, like, I'm talking, I've heard people tell me, women our age tell me, you know, I would never identify as a feminist. I just believe men and women should be equal. And it kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit because I'm like, I don't know how to tell you that a feminist just like that's like the definition is just believing in gender equality. That's it. If you believe that men and women should be equal, congratulations. You are a feminist. Hereby, I'm doing the little sword thing. You have been knighted as a feminist. Um, (laughs) But it's okay to identify as a feminist. And I think that there still needs to be so much work done in stripping away that negative connotation that somehow has been applied to the word because I don't really know how that came to be and if it's if you're someone listening to this and you're like oh wow like I kind of thought that way and it's because other people are trying to make you feel like it's a bad thing to identify as a feminist it's not it it's good it's good to think of men and women as being equal um and so that's on them and on their own journey to learning and growing and educating themselves. Yeah, I don't want to come off, and I was saying to Anya when we were talking about this episode, I really don't want to come off as super like preachy or trying to shove down your throat. Like you have to be a feminist and if you're not a feminist, you're a bad person, blah, 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 blah. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I just think the very fact that so many people and so many women are fearful and anxious in the wake of RBG passing away is proof enough that we've come far, but we have so much farther to go. Like, there's just people that think that like, okay, like, yeah, men and women are equal now. Like, cool. We can put that to rest and move on to like the next issue. And it's like, no, actually, (laughs) we are not (laughs) equal. And, you know, I don't have any like actual statistics to uh, throw out there. I highly recommend educating yourself on it. But yeah, and I know it can feel really helpless at times and right now can feel really helpless, helpless, but it's not. Um, and I'm saying this to myself as much as I'm saying it to you guys. Um, you have to stand up for what you believe in. You have to have uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversations with your friends and your family. Uh, I know there was like a photo going around Instagram that's like, if it's an uncomfortable conversation, it's probably one that you need to be having. I think about that every single day. Um, And for the love of God, vote. (laughs) We have an election coming up. Go vote. Your vote matters. You can do so much with it. Um, So yeah, that's kind of, that's my spiel. I'm sorry if I sound preachy. That's really not what I'm trying to do. That's just how I feel. (laughs) Yeah. And if you vote, not that, uh, not that we're trying to have you lean any given way, but you know, if you vote, we might see the first female VP, which I'm sure RBG would be very pleased to see. Um, Yeah. I saw something or I heard someone say like, you know, they said go out and vote and vote for love and vote for kindness and vote for fairness and equality and stuff like that. And I really liked the way that that was worded. So that's what I would offer to you guys in whatever way you think that is manifested. For sure. And um, sorry if you guys hear a little background noise. We are living at home, as you guys know, so (laughs) can't quite get a neutral sound studio in here all the time. But um, from my perspective, I feel like I've been really lucky to explore kind of the more academic side of feminism as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I took a class in college called Sexuality, Gender, and the Law. It was actually like this last semester, so like still in 2020 earlier this year. Um, and obviously half of it was online, but I have a bunch of resources from that class downloaded. If you're interested, I can share those via Google Drive or something. Um, but yeah, in that class, I was really lucky to be able to learn about like, you know, every wave of feminism and like what was associated with it and like all the different schools of thought associated with it. And it really is like an entire academic field and like obviously people dedicate their life to it. So I think it is good to think about as like, you know, equality of the sexes and that is like fundamentally what it is, but there is so much more literature to like be explored about it and like so many perspectives, like, you know, like the queer perspective on it was something we talked a lot about in my class too. Like it's just, there's so many layers um, and happy to provide some free material if you're interested. Um, but it's just crazy. Like my takeaways from that class and like the way that it just permeates our entire existence, both as like women and like family life and society um, and like such basic everyday things are only allowed because of the feminist movement um, and things you might not even realize. Like I said earlier, you know, voting keeping your job while pregnant or like while being a mother (laughs) birth control. And like, while all of those were like so groundbreaking at the time, none of that is extreme now. Is it, you know, that the feminists of their time are like who you have to thank for those things. Um, So I think a lot of people view feminism as like this super far left, scary, like aggressive Mm -hmm. movement. Um, And like, there are certainly, you know, wings of feminism that are more, leftist and liberal than others and maybe that's not for you but like the fundamental you know purpose um is something that I think every woman should at least be educated on because I think if you only think of like those very extreme groups which like not saying I disagree with them but just saying they're they're extreme from some people's (laughs) perspective just gotta do your own do your own research um and like recognize that there are many like so many so many women in history that like you have to thank for like the things that you take for granted every day now and like they were the feminists of their time so like you shitting on feminism is you shitting on them um yeah and almost in essence shitting on the privileges that you have been given because of them and I don't mean to make anyone feel bad with that but it's just it's a good it's a perspective that I think of it as yeah is how am I going to judge a group of people who made it possible for me to have a bank account in my own name literally that's a good one to mention too or like get a house in your name I think was one of them too like so from a very you don't need to be extremist to be a feminist I think is kind of the main point we're trying to say you don't need to all of a sudden be like I hate all men and that's it um to be a feminist because I think you're right that that's um, the stereotype that a lot of people couch yeah. all feminism in. And there's nothing wrong with any part of the feminism spectrum that you're on. But as a woman, you should educate yourself on where on that spectrum you are, because I'm willing to bet that you're somewhere on there already. Um, so we figured we would kind of conclude this episode by reacting to some of RBG's notable quotes and then also mm-hmm. educating, um, you guys on like where you can learn more about her. Cause that's definitely something that I want to do now. Um, I haven't really seen much like media about her in the past, so I'm interested to like look at some of these mm-hmm. resources we're going to talk about. Um, so the first quote that I'm going to read is, I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. <laughs> um like and I love how like eloquently she said this when it was basically just like men please get out of the way (laughs) (laughs) yeah um 
The next one, and I think one that I've seen floating around quite a bit, is women belong in all places where decisions are being made. It shouldn't be that women are the exception, which I mean, that speaks for itself. I mean, it's still so true. Like, have you seen uh, the political photos where they Photoshop out the men and they leave just the women? Have you seen those? Yeah, and they're like empty like rooms, basically. Three. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that goes yeah. to show. Well, and from a basic proportion standpoint, women are over half the population, I think. Yeah. In the US. Got you so. there. X chromosomes. Yeah. <laughs> the next one is people ask me sometimes, when will there be enough women on the court? And my answer is, when there are nine. <laughs> Which I think like some people would hear this and be like, wow, that's so drastic. And I think that was like somewhat her point in saying it. But like it shouldn't be drastic because nobody would blink an eye if it was nine men. So like what? Not even that no one would blink an eye. It has been nine men. Yes. Like I don't think people realize that the Supreme Court has been nine men. So in my mind, we've achieved equality when there can be a Supreme Court that has nine women and no one blinks an eye. Because sure, why not? So that when people try to say this extreme, I'm like, I'm coming in real quick with a counter argument. Um, I had that as my phone background for a while, just when we when there are nine. Mm-hmm. Because who knows, maybe I'll be one of them. Probably not, though. It's fine. <laughs> just got to get through the first semester. Um, our last quote is, feminism is the notion that we should each be free to develop our own talents and not be held back by man-made barriers, which I think is a great quote to end this discussion on of feminism as a whole, because that that's what it is. We all should be able to exercise our talents and have our talents speak for us um, and not have them be held back by, and I love that it's man-made barriers because it, it quite literally is man-made <laughs> barriers. <laughs> In every sense of the term. So so now to conclude this episode, like we said, we're going to tell you a few um, additional resources where you can learn more. So the first one is a movie called On the Basis of Sex, which I think is a pretty recent movie. They're playing it um, like around us. That's cool. Oh, wow. Like I'm sure to honor her legacy. It came out in 2018. Yeah. yeah. And Army Hammer's in it. <gasps> we have to watch. <laughs> oh. All right. When's the movie now? <laughs> <laughs> we love him. I also wanted to suggest a movie and it's just called RBG. And this I know is a documentary um, about her life. My next little resource was, and I'll link it in the show notes, but I found a New York times article that just listed um, several books about her life. Um, So if you're more of a reader than a movie watcher, you can definitely watch or excuse me, definitely read one of those. Yeah. And like we mentioned earlier on, there's, Uh, a lot more info out there circulating right now on social media and through Google because everyone is reflecting on her life and her legacy. So definitely encourage you guys to look, look her up and, you know, give her some time. Yeah, for sure. It also looks like RBG is playing in some movie theaters near us. So definitely look up those two movies and see if they're playing at a theater near you. And if you feel comfortable with COVID, there you go. Go spend an afternoon learning about her. For sure. So I hope you guys liked this episode. I feel like it was fun to do more of like a storytelling one that we haven't really done that before. Yeah, it was very storytelling plus stream of consciousness. (laughs) So we hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, Definitely rate us on Apple Podcasts if you did. 
Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Send in any suggestions that you have through our anonymous suggestion box that we link in the show notes. Am I forgetting anything? Um, I think that's I think that's pretty much it. And TikTok. Oh, TikTok. Follow us on TikTok. Yes. And remember that if you leave us a five-star review with like actual words, we will read it on the air. So we want to do more of those. So um, definitely yeah. leave us a review if you're liking the show. If you're not, we get it. It's fine. But it's fine. you probably wouldn't have gotten this far if you didn't. So <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, we'll talk next Tuesday. Bye.